Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Well, dementia as we get older seems to be the curse of our age. It's the number one cause of disability in Australia when you're over 65. Just let that sink in for a bit. The number one cause of disability in Australia when you're over 65. It's the second biggest cause of death overall. I know. And in women in Australia, it's the number one cause of death over 65. Once, dementia was seen as something I think that, you know, we all thought, oh, well, that happens when you get older and there's not much you can do about it. Now, while it's important to stress that there's no cure for dementia or even any effective treatment for dementia, there are no magic cures. There's nothing out there that fixes it. Evidence is mounting, though, that perhaps uh, approaching 50% of dementia might, underlined, be modifiable. In other words, there's a lot of scientific... We're talking science here. We're not talking opinions and what people might be promoting. In other words, we might be able to do something, uh, science tells us, that prevents its onset as we get older. But what? Well, Dr. Jenny Mansberg is presenting the very latest research and findings in her new book, Save Your Brain. It's a very accessible volume, which if you're interested in this topic, I would recommend you get hold of. Now, in her book, she sets out strategies and behaviours that you could adopt to protect your brain. They won't change your life, and you will find many of them, I think, uh, simple to adopt. You may, in fact, have incorporated many in your own life. Uh, Dr. Jenny Mansberg, good evening and welcome to Nightlife. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you with us. What, what is dementia? It's important to understand what it is and what it's not, isn't it? Uh, many people think if I can't find the keys anymore, then that's a problem. Is, is it? Well, that's being me. I think that's normal. Mm. Um, so if you I, can't... Forget, I forget where I parked the car yeah. constantly. <laughs> <laughs> me too. But if you don't know what to do with your car keys or what to do with a car, then you've got a problem. So it's literally mm. brain failure. It's it's when your brain is not doing what it's meant to do anymore, and that's not just forgetting stuff. It's how to do stuff as well. So it's not forgetfulness, is it? No. Oh, although that can, I mean, that's often associated with it. But yeah. But I liked your example of that. It's not. So, it's not. We, it's not forgetting where you left the keys. It's when you found the keys, you look at them and you think, I don't know what they're for. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I know I should know because I didn't once know, but I can't remember. Yeah, absolutely. Or you know, if your mum gets lost in the car park. And always parked in the same spot and always got out of the car park at the shopping centre and got home, mm. can't find a way anymore. That's a bit of a telltale sign. Mm. Yeah, I remember my uh, dear old dad who, who, who had this and, and you know, eventually caused his, his death. He, in the early stages of it, he said uh, the thing that hit him is that he, he always wore a watch and was quite you know, proud of that. And he would look at it and he'd say, I, I, um, he said, I know that it tells the time. He said, but when I look at it, I, I, can't, I can't tell the time. I, I, he said, I've completely forgotten what the – he said, I can't work out anymore what the big hand and the little hand does. And I just thought this was ludicrous. I said, Dad, <laughs> big hands for the, big hands for the uh, minutes and little hands for the hours. He said, yeah, I know that when you say that, but when I look at it, it doesn't make any sense to me. The so horror that, of so, realising that, that's though. And that's it, that's it, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Devastating. 
Yeah. So it's not forgetfulness. And so when people say, oh, well, look, I'm, you know, I'm worried because I'm... Because as we get older, Jenny, we do forget things. Aren't we? But forgetfulness is a product of getting older to some degree, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, your brain is not as quick at calculating new things or mm. taking on new concepts. And that's just part of getting older. Look, to be honest, it's part of middle age as well. I mean, a lot mm. of us are just so busy and stressed. And forgetting stuff is just a sign of a brain under stress. But that's not the issue. Hmm. The issue is this sort of brain failure that has probably been going on for years and years and years before there are any signs. I've got lots of patients who come to me Hmm. on a daily basis and say, I want to get a test for dementia. I'm really, really worried about my brain. I, on the whole, am not worried about somebody who brings that to my attention. Hmm. The ones that I worry about is when they get they come in to see me and they're ambushed by a daughter or a son who says, mum's forgetting everything. And she goes, no, I'm not. No, that's you. You're the one who's forgetting everything. Mm. Most people with dementia have got no clue. No. Got no clue at all, no insight into it. So if you have some insight that you're forgetting things. Probably prob- don't have it. You're probably okay. Mm. Yeah. If you've yeah. got that self-awareness that you're mm-hmm. forgetful. Yep. Then you're probably okay. There, there are different types, aren't there? I mean, you hear people banding around words like Alzheimer's. Oh, you know, Dad's got Alzheimer's, even though uh, you don't know whether he's got Alzheimer's because there are forms of dementia, aren't there? I think, I think my dad probably had a vascular dementia. It was never, I think, it was never entirely clear, but. Uh, but there are different forms of dementia, aren't there, uh, caused by different things too. Yes, yeah, so Alzheimer's is probably the biggest one, but we used to what, think what it, is it. Well, so it's a disease where there are certain characteristics of damaged cells in the mm. brain when you look under a microscope, which requires an autopsy. Like it's not exactly that easy to diagnose it while you're alive. Okay. Um, there are some spinal tap, you know, you can look at spinal fluid and look at certain parameters, but it's not diagnostic. It's a clue. Mm. But to really diagnose it, you need an autopsy. So it makes it a little difficult while you're alive. We used to think that most dementia was Alzheimer's and that Alzheimer's was it on its own. Mm. But now what we know is that there are all of these different types of dementia and they interplay with each other. And while Alzheimer's is really difficult to treat, well, impossible to treat Mm. and nigh on, you know, impossible to prevent, Mm. what we know is if Alzheimer's combines with another form of dementia and you mentioned vascular and that's the big one because that's the same stuff that causes your strokes and causes your heart attacks and causes your high blood pressure all that kind of stuff when it gets into your brain along with the alzheimer's that's when one plus one equals 57 it is more aggressive it starts earlier it degrades more quickly and that's what we can do if we can target the other forms of dementia then we can delay the diagnosis and the onset and also reduce the severity of the alzheimer's Mm. disease and five years is a long time when it comes to that kind of thing yeah sure in a sense does it really matter what type you've got because we can't fix any of it anyway so obsessing about whether it's vascular alzheimer's or something else one's not more special than the other and one's not more remedial than the other, is it? I mean, until such time as we have a treatment and we're so far from that right now, I can't Mm. even imagine it. Mm. We don't really urgently need to diagnose it. Look, you'll go to a geriatrician and you will get certain medications. They do exist and they can make marginal differences, but they're not going to cure you. And unfortunately, the the diagnosis is often delayed. You know, by the time somebody is fully diagnosed, they are often catastrophically affected by the dementia. Hmm. And by that stage, treatment is literally, you know, just a lost cause. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's, what's going on in the brain? I mean, what, what, what's happening? What, what's, what, why, why, why do you 
lose the ability to understand your surroundings or recognise people or you know be able to tell the time all these all these debilitating effects what what what's going on so there are two things you need to think of one is the cell death and the 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 ability of cells to talk to each other just gets destroyed and then the second thing is where is that happening mm. which part of the brain is being affected and that is different for different people but it can affect everything from your mental health and your mood to your sleep to your ability to calculate things to your memory but even your eating i mean a lot of people don't realise dementia is a fatal illness. It mm. kills you. It actually destroys your body's ability to work properly. If you kill off enough brain cells, you will die of that condition. So it's humiliating. It's nasty to be in an aged care facility if it's not a great aged care facility. It's lonely. It's terrifying. And on top of it, it kills you. So it's, it's something, if we can avoid it, why wouldn't you? And it's why I wrote Save Your Brain is because... The time mm. to avoid it is in middle age. Yeah. Okay. Is it inevitable the older you get? Nope. Nope. And in fact... Although it's, it, more people get it the older you get. Yeah. Oh, right. Look, age is the biggest risk factor for sure. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's not like you wake up one day with dementia. You go on a long bus ride, right? And the first bus stop that you stop at is actually what we call mild cognitive impairment. Mm. So that's when you're not quite bad enough to be called demented, but... You don't have a normal brain either, but it's not just sort of a normal aging one. It's sort of slightly uh, in between dementia and just a normal aging brain. And not everybody who gets mild cognitive impairment actually goes on to get dementia. Now, some people are going to die in the meantime of bowel cancer or a heart attack or something, and mm. just time didn't take its toll. But for other people, something happens and it never quite lands in dementia. Now, what we need to do, what I've been trying to do in this book is to unpack what to the people who don't progress, what's happening to them? What are the people who don't even get mild cognitive impairment? What are they doing differently and how can we copy them? Sure. Let's get on to that in a moment. Uh, one of my texters, Liz, says, this is what confuses me, all the differences in dementia and Alzheimer's, etc. What are the practical differences? There kind of aren't really, are there? There's a couple that have got very specific like mental health features or some of them that come on very, very early um, mm. in age. But on the whole... When we're talking about dementia, the big one is Alzheimer's disease, particularly when it's paired with another type like vascular dementia. Mm. Of course, Parkinson's disease, if you get Parkinson's, it is a disease of the brain and it can come with dementia as well. And those people will sometimes have hallucinations and sort of see things that are not there, but who cares? Like it mm. doesn't really change the way we no. treat you. Tell me, the, tell, me the, tell me the classic kind of symptoms. So, dementia. so what you'll notice if you love somebody who is getting dementia is that they'll start to repeat themselves. Now, lonely people will often repeat themselves because they, mm. they're so excited to have somebody to talk to. They might, you know, stick on the same stories, but they might ask you the same question again and again and again. So what's John up to these days? And literally two minutes later, tell me about John. What's he up to these days? Oh. Or they'll put down the phone, you've just made an arrangement to go pop in there at four o'clock, and mm. then they'll ring you back half an hour later. Okay, you really need to come over today. What, what time can you come? Mum, I just told you I'm coming at four o'clock. So it's that kind of um, uh, memory thing. Mm -hmm. But what can happen is lack of sleep, being up all night, and mood changes that can precede dementia by years. And mm. we are stuck with this problem of chicken and egg. You know, is the dementia the... Uh, is the depression the early sign of dementia or is the depression causing dementia? And that is a really important thing to unpack because dementia is a big target here yeah, yeah. Um, and, and depression is a big target. 
Uh, is it genetic? Yep. Yep. So um, when, when you say yep, what, what does that mean? Does it does it mean that if your parents had it, you will get it? No. Nope. It means that we're putting more bullets in the chamber, if you, if you know what I mean. Mm. So there's everybody knows about the APOE4 gene, mainly because Chris, Chris Hemsworth came out and who's a, in case anybody doesn't know, because I'm not that up with my pop culture, but he's a, a very famous and very good looking Aussie actor. And he came out and talked about having the APOE4 gene. Now that gene is in 24% of Australians. Mm-hmm. And one gene, it does increase your risk of dementia a little bit. But if you have two of those genes, it increases your risk of dementia anywhere from five to eightfold. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why that's important only is for researchers because often researchers who are looking at interventions to prevent dementia will hive off the group that do have APOE4 genes and report their findings in the group at, at large and then the group with that particular gene. Because if at the moment we don't test you for that gene. We don't test you because it doesn't make any difference. We can't tell you what to do. We tell everybody the same advice. But if we knew there so was So what's a, the point of finding it? We don't. There's it's, no point. There's no, no point. It's only done in research context or if mm. you're a famous Hollywood star. Mm. I mean, you can't go to your You can't G- do anything about it anyway. Well, you can't. And it's just going to give you stress. Like how would you live your life at mm. 50 if you knew that you have a five to eight-fold increased risk of dementia, that would be... Which you, can't, which you can't modify. Which you, well, you can modify, but everybody should be modifying it. Yeah. Everybody should be doing everything that they can to modify No, you it. can't modify that But you can't, risk, you can't no. modify the gene. No. That is, I mean, we should do a whole other story on that. That's coming. Hmm. That, that definitely, that ability to modify genes, as scary as it is, is actually coming. But right now, we can't modify that. Hmm. And so what's the point of finding out? It's just going to give you a whole lot of mental health issues that you don't need. You can't diagnose it with a blood test, can you? No. That, again, is coming. So there's actually a lot of work being done in the Flory Institute in um, Melbourne. So g'day old the Victorian mm. listeners. Uh, amazing work coming out of Flory. Um, and they are looking at a lot of the blood markers, as they are in Sweden as well. Um, and some amazing stuff that's coming out. It's Some of these markers are like finding needles in haystacks. Yeah, yeah. But the tests are so inaccurate at this point that we can't use them but people are squirreling away in this research and it's coming along in leaps and bounds i felt like so you think we'll get one i think we'll get one yeah yeah a brain scan doesn't show it either does it there are certain scans that do show abnormalities but at the moment they are again notoriously inaccurate and they are only used if for research purposes Uh you don't go to your doctor and say can i have the scan to diagnose mum's Alzheimer's disease. That doesn't happen. But if all of a sudden mum had a complete personality change, um, wouldn't get out of bed, has stopped being able to eat um, and is now forgetting everything, I'd want to know she didn't have a brain tumour. So we might order a scan to rule out something nastier, but it won't rule in dementia. We don't have that scan yet. But again, watch this space. The the research in scans is unbelievable. Hmm. So you think that might be coming too? I think it is, but I think what's holding it back and what's holding back the money for the research is because we don't have a cure, what's the point point of a diagnosis? What's the point of of being able to diagnose it better if there's nothing we can do about it anyway? I mean, if we could diagnose Mm. you 20 years before the dementia happened and we could say take drug X and that'll get rid of it, I'd be lining up today to get the scan and the blood test and I'd even have the spinal tap. 
Mm. But because I can't have that, what is the point of me doing all of that stuff? It's not like, I'm trying to be gruesome about this, but it's not like women, for example, who often make a radical surgical decision in relation to breast cancer, for example. They say, well, look, I'm going to have, you know, a radical mammogram. um, Sorry, your mastectomy because I've got a very high chance of developing breast cancer. So I'm going to do There's nothing. There's nothing like that in dementia can do, is there? No. Nothing. No. Except that the general advice that is often easier than you think. I mean, I think people look at me and I'm a doctor, so they think that I'm just going to go away and say, well, eat kale and, you know, never yeah. drink again and, you know, give mm. up all the joy in your life and that'll set you straight. Um, that I, I couldn't live like that. I'd never tell anybody to do that stuff. But actually it's a, a lot easier than you think. Mm. Dr. Jenny Mansfield is with us. Uh, she's written a um, very interesting new book called Save Your Brain. It's a very accessible book too, which uh, runs through all the elements of dementia and also what we might – we're not saying – because there is no cure for it and there is no – also, importantly, there's no treatment for it. We're not saying you can treat dementia. You can't. But there is mounting evidence that you may be able to modify the onset of dementia through certain behaviours, and that's what we're, we're, we're talking about tonight. All right, let's start with the big one, exercise. So actually the evidence for exercise is a bit pathetic. I'm not going to lie. Right. And I think one of the problems with dementia is if you take um, a group of people at 40 and you say, right, we're going to study you for dementia and we're going to put you lot, we're going to take 100,000 of you and we're going to give you skipping. Can you do that every day for the next 35 years? And okay, you 100,000 people, we're going to give you Tai Chi and we're going to give you lot yoga. So we're going to put 2 million people into this study and see what happens. You can see the problems. Number one, it's ridiculously expensive. And number two, some people don't do it properly. And what are we going to put a camera on you every single day? So gathering the evidence is really, really, really difficult. And yet, to write Save Your Brain, I actually interviewed 22 international and Australian experts. And the only thing that every single one of them was doing to save their brain was exercise. That was it. And despite the fact that there were, they kept saying to me, we just don't have the conclusive proof. They are all so sure that it does work for their brains that they're doing it. They all had different diets, they had different approaches to a whole lot of things, but the one thing they all did. (laughs) <laughs> was that they were doing exercise. Because it just seems to be a, a look, it, it's just going to help you, isn't it? Look, it, Whether it helps dementia, you, you say, we can't say. We can't say, but you know what? Some of the biggest risk factors for dementia are things like high blood pressure, diabetes, heart obesity. disease, obesity, depression. Mm. We know for sure that exercise will work with all of those things. Mm. So it just makes sense, right? But I can't tell you, I can't refer to study X and tell you that this study was the one that proved <laughs> that, that mm. exercise prevents dementia. Just before we go on, in, just back on diagnosis for a bit too, because it's not an opinion of whether you've got dementia, is it? It's a, it's, I mean, you can, there are tests for dementia, but they're not. In your book, you go through a lot of them. And I don't know, I, 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 I got from your book, Gee, there's a whole lot of confusion about whether these tests, you know, actually are definitive or maybe you should be doing a whole lot of them or different ones or whatever. There's a simple one called an MMSE, a mini mental state examination, which uh, consists essentially of a 10-question quiz, which your GP would administer to you. You say, surprisingly, that's quite effective. Well... Sort of. (laughs) Sort of. I mean, the reality is... People get good at doing the MMSE 
Because um, they learn how to do it. Because they learn how to do it. Right. And there's a couple of tricky ones like spell world backwards or, you know, go backwards from 100, you know, subtracting seven every time. There are, And, you know, yet we, I have to ask you to rem- remember three things and then forget about it and then ask you again at the end of the quiz and see if you still remember them. I have got patients who do ridiculously well on an MMSE and I know they've got dementia, but I can't diagnose them. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a blunt tool. I think we know that GPs underdiagnose dementia. It's like we know our patients and we forgive them, plus they pull out their best behaviour in front of the GP. Mm -hmm. It's their family members that really get it. And there are, I have detailed in the book, a whole lot of tests that, a loved one can actually administer at home without the consent of the patient. To give you an idea, if you think mum or dad is behaving in a way that you think they might have dementia, there are online tests that you can conduct at home and then actually send that to the GP because that will help the GP. Right. Okay. But the GP, look, any good GP could diagnose this if given enough time. Yep, yep, and Mm. especially because... Access to geriatricians and psychogeriatricians through public hospitals is mm. really difficult. It's a long waiting list, and they're very slow to give the diagnosis as, uh, you know, as well. It's really frustrating. Yeah. All right. We're talking with Dr. Jenny Mansberg. Save Your Brain is her book, in which she covers all aspects of dementia and also what you might do to modify your behavior to help yourself as well. There's no cure and there's no treatment for dementia. Okay. Exercise, you say, is. Well, no, no, the, the jury is out. We don't know whether exercise helps or not, but we, we, well, what we do know is that exercise helps you. Yeah, and, and, and we're pretty sure. We're pretty sure. We're pretty we don't sure. have the proof, though. Yeah, but so you should be doing... Okay, what sort of exercise then? Oh, you know what? If you like doing the exercise, do it. Okay. Um, Anything if, you do is better than nothing. Listen, if someone told me to get into a leotard and go into most of the gyms in Sydney where I live, I'm out, right? Mm-hmm. I hate that kind of thing. I hate the mirror on the wall. I'm very self-conscious. I don't like it. But I can walk in the park with my dogs because I like my dogs. Mm. And my big thing from this book is Tai Chi because Tai Chi is amazing for balance and it's amazing for core strength and it's peaceful and it's done in a park. So it's kind of ticked so many boxes for me. That's the exercise of choice for me. But I'm happy with whatever you like. You like it, you do it. I don't really care. Mm. Maria from Earlwood. Hi, Maria. Uh, hi, Jenny. I just wanted to ask regarding Huntington's disease. Um, if um, the same would apply, like with the exercise and, um, like, would it work with the same principle? Look, Huntington's disease, for anybody who doesn't know, is an inherited disorder that affects both uh, the memory and causes dementia, but also severe movement disorders as well. And it's just the most heartbreaking thing when it goes into a family. And unfortunately, and I'd really urge people if you can give um, to charities that are, there are so many researchers even here in Australia looking for any solution, but at the moment we don't have it. I think exercising is good for your soul and if it makes you feel better, but I think some people just feel like they've got the sword of Damocles over their head knowing that they've got this gene and knowing that there's not a lot we can do about it. And I'm so sorry, Maria, I don't have any better answers than that. Sorry, Maria. Thank you. Robin's texted saying, you know, that quiz, the MMSE 
quiz. She, she said, my mum memorises it just before she goes to the doctor. Yep. Um, so do all of my patients. In fact, is your mum in my surgery? Because I think I've met her. Uh, I can't tell you how many get like 20 out of, 28 out of 30 and I'm like, are you serious? Like I can see you've got the wrong shoe on the wrong foot. There is no way you've not got dementia. Colin from Mackay says, what's your guest's opinion of the saturated V polyunsaturated fats argument around brain health? So... Um, Saturated fat is not great for the body, mm. and I know it's uh, part of some diets. So some people who like a low-carb, high-fat diet, and the keto diet is something that we've gone into in detail in Save Your Brain. Uh, a lot of cardiologists have a lot of concern about any diet that would have a, a very high load of saturated fat. The thing that I do like about keto diets is that it's low in carbohydrate and interestingly got really good evidence for it um, helping with epilepsy, which is just so Mm -hmm. interesting, but also for dementia. Um, Having said all of which, for myself to go keto for three hours is going to kill me. I just Mm. can't do it. I get hangry and I get keto rage and it's just, you know, my patients won't like me very much. So um, I can't do it. But I think if you can do keto, you've got to stick to it. And I would still try and avoid the saturated fats. And we know that mono and polyunsaturated fats are associated with better brain health. So exercise, well, do it, but we're not sure about the link between um, helping with dementia, but look, do it. Diet. We all know we should eat better, and we, you know, given the levels of obesity and so on in the community, it's it's you know it's a national crisis. Quite frankly, what sort of diet does the evidence suggest could help us in relation to dementia? Is it the Mediterranean diet, or yep. is it something else? All of the above. So pretty much. What we don't have is a study where they've gone, okay, you 200,000 people go and do the Mediterranean diet for the next 30 years and you lot go do keto for the next 200 years and, you know, you guys go do vegetarian. We don't have what we call head-to-head trials of different diets. But what I can tell you is healthy diet, good, bad diet, bad. Mm. And so I'm no saint, um, but you just try and have as little of the bad stuff as possible and as much of the good stuff as possible. I think if you're splitting hairs over whether to have kale or cauliflower, I don't think you have a problem. No. No, we had a very interesting conversation with Dr. Luigi Fontana here on the program not so long ago from Sydney University who said, look, amalgamating all the sciences he did on diet and his his was, you know, was well-being essentially. Uh, he said, look, what we can say is that Essentially, the Mediterranean diet or element, I mean, that concept of, you know, wide variety of fruit and vegetables, meat's okay, extra virgin olive oil, legumes, pulses, uh, whole foods, whole grain foods, these things, that's that's what your diet should be. Uh, and you should build your diet around that. You'd say in relation to dementia treatment, that, that advice is right. Yeah, I mean, we've got most evidence for a Mediterranean diet. And when we look at evidence, we're looking at population-based trials. So yeah. we'll look mm-hmm. at, at, at places where they're very adherent to their traditional Mediterranean diets um, and they have lower rates of everything. I mean, heart mm-hmm. disease, cancers, mm-hmm. depression, dementia, We'll throw the whole lot in, you know, and and that's where the most evidence is. There's a, a newish diet called the Mind Diet, which has more emphasis on green vegetables and more emphasis on berries specifically as opposed to whatever fruit you like. I really am not going to split hairs over, you know, a kale versus a cucumber. If you're eating healthy, it doesn't matter. But what we don't want you to have is a Macca's diet. Right. What about the DASH diet? 
Yeah, so the DASH diet's really interesting. Again, it's one that was developed for high blood pressure, mm. and high blood pressure is really integral for dementia as well. But the DASH diet has got good evidence for preventing dementia. What we can't tell you is that the DASH diet is better than the Mediterranean diet. And when I spoke to those 22 experts, all of them were borrowing a little bit from here and a little bit from there, and none of them were sticking very, very rigidly to any diet, Hmm. which kind of, I think, makes it just easier. If I tell most people you must do a Mediterranean diet... We we know what's healthy, don't we? We do. And you really... This is the trouble, I think, with some dietitians is nobody needs to go to a dietitian to be told, don't have a pizza, have a a tuna salad. We all know that. Well, you know that. The difficult thing is how. How, when the pizza's sitting there, do you say, no, I don't want that, and I'm going to walk away and chop up some, you know, I'm going to shred some cabbage. How do I learn to make better choices? Correct. I mean, and and we are biologically programmed to scavenge calories to save up for, you know, a famine. We are biologically programmed to want Mm. that chocolate. Don't beat yourself up too much about it. Less bad stuff, more good stuff, and let's not, you know, get over, you know, stressed about it. So diet is important, right? Vegan or plant diets, yep. again, you say there's no, there's not much evidence to say that they're better no. than eating well in the Mediterranean diet sense. Yeah, I think the vegan diet is of a little bit of concern for me. So sorry if there are any vegans listening to us. I have, I'm not aware of any evidence that a vegan diet is better than a vegetarian diet, but there is some evidence that certainly amongst teenagers it is potentially a gateway into an eating disorder. So the more food groups you cut, uh, you cut out, the more shaky territory you are and we do need to start looking at you for an eating disorder. Um, I think if people feel really, really passionately about adult uh, animals, then I want to be really respectful of it, but I'm just wary of vegan diets. Mm. Um Matthew is from Seaford. G'day, Matthew. Oh, good evening, Philip. How are you, sir? Very well. That's good to hear. Uh, Dr. Jenny, uh, what a wonderful, pragmatic and honest uh, 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 appreciation of the way you are directing your <clears throat> view on Alzheimer's and dementia. I have a question. Yeah. And I really appreciate how frank you are with this. You know, the idea that uh, dementia is just forgetting your keys is a misnomer. Um, It goes into high biological. I read a wonderful study because, unfortunately, my father passed away. He had a wonderful life. That's my point. And he passed away with uh, a brain cancer at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. which was a good way to go, uh, in a sense. I read a wonderful study, Jenny, and I want to see your view on this on the fact that he lost his hearing and that sensibility was a precursor whereby he couldn't, uh, it wasn't stimulation to his mind anymore. That's interesting, isn't it? It is. Matthew, you have just brought up something so important because we're going to get into this evening more simple things that you can do, but you hit the nail on the head. Hearing loss particularly in midlife, I'm talking about people in their 40s, 50s and 60s, it is such a precursor. Now, the theory is that if you can't hear people, you detach from conversations and you are less social. We don't know that for sure, but that's Mm. the theory. But we also know that getting a hearing aid not only prevents dementia, but also if you're starting to get dementia, it will prevent the progression of your dementia to getting worse. So I would urge everybody, particularly people who've had 
you know, an industrial career where they've been exposed to loud noises or maybe headphones in the case of a radio presenter, Phil, (laughs) that um, you should get your hearing tested. And if you do have poor hearing, please, please, please put on hearing aids. They are expensive and I really think the government should be paying more for them because I think that, you know, given we know how important they are to mm. preventing dementia, yeah. we, we should have them paid for because your, it's ridiculous. Your book suggests there is a an association between hearing loss and dementia. Yep, and mm. and fixing it and reducing your risk, yeah, yeah. most importantly. It's a factor. Yeah, mm. so Matthew, you go and get your hearing tested because that's um, mm. something you could do to save your brain tomorrow. Thanks, Matthew. Sue says, but the pizza's from the Mediterranean. Sue, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> oh, I love Sue. <laughs> stop it. one triple two. Supplements. Are any pills worth taking? Bung, bung. No. No. You know what? They are, there are a lot of people who are very vulnerable and are frankly preyed upon. Hmm. Um, I spoke to one of the experts that I really wanted to speak to works in out of LA from the UCLA because he runs an entire laboratory on fish oil and, um, the brain and, um, you know, spoiler alert, he doesn't take any fish oil supplements. (laughs) Um, but there really is that while there's evidence that having a diet rich in unsaturated, uh, fats, including fish oils is beneficial for the brain. And that's part of the Mediterranean diet. There is no evidence for taking omega-3 supplements. And really nearly all of the supplements that have been touted, and we're even talking about vitamin D and things like that, they've just been a bit of a dead loss, unfortunately. Having said all of which, if you do have a deficiency that has been diagnosed with a blood test by your GP, please take the supplement that's going to fix it. But if you are healthy and you know, to your knowledge, you don't have any particular deficiencies, really save your money. There's, there's no point. What about resveratrol? Really disappointing trials, unfortunately. So resveratrol is really interesting. It's in the red grape skin. And we know that red wine, which is part of the Mediterranean mm. diet, and it does seem to, I mean, we've got you a can great... Buy, you can buy it as a pill. You can, but it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can put it in skincare as well. It also doesn't work. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it is anti-inflammatory. It does fabulous things in a Petri dish. Unfortunately, you know, you've got to think when you have an entire food, like say a tomato or a piece of broccoli, when you digest that and all the bits of it and the fiber and the multiple different nutrients acting together and its impact on your microbiome, to go and try and pick out the one chemical and artificially manufacture it and put it in a capsule and try and eat that and replicate the effect of a broccoli, it doesn't make any sense and that's probably why it doesn't work. You need to look at food whole foods as the way to get most of your nutrients. What about fasting and intermittent fasting? I mean, the the 5-2 is probably the most well-known intermittent fasting diet, but there are other fasting diets. Ramadan's been around for, you know, over a century. Ramadan's been with us for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A little bit of evidence for intermittent fasting as well. Um, So I think that, um, again, if it suits you, I mean, I tried to do the 5-2 and diet you know, I, I keep talking about being hangry. Maybe I'm just always hangry and I just mm. like to blame it on all the various diets yeah. I've tried to try and shed some kilos. But um, no, I mean, I, I can't do a five and two. It's just impossible. We're not talking about weight loss here. We're talking about dementia. Oh, I know. But, it's, yeah. but there, there is a little bit of evidence. But if you can't do it, what's the point of trying to sign up for it? Mm. I would say literally whatever works for you in a healthy way. I'd be more interested in what you're eating, you know, day to day rather than trying to fast occasionally. Mm. 
Okay, so no resveratrol, no, you'd say no pills, really? Vitamin K2? Mm, just not enough evidence. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be going with that. Fatty acids? Nope. Sorry. Fish oil? No. Nope. Nope. What about curcumin? This is turmeric. That's very, very <sighs> fashionable, hasn't it's it? It's very on brand. And by the way, if you have it, you have to have it with black pepper. On its own, doesn't really do much. But sort of, again, it has a little bit of evidence, very isolated for some... You know, forms of inflammatory arthritis, a little bit of evidence, but certainly not enough for your brain. Mm. B12? If you're deficient, absolutely. B12 is critical to brain function. Mm. And particularly vegans will nearly always be B12 deficient. But I'm amazed at how often my patients are B12 deficient. And B12 is in animal products. So it's not just meat and chicken, eggs dairy have all got b12 in them if you are deficient in b12 please get checked <clears throat> excuse me for a condition called pernicious anemia which sounds really awful but it, all it means is that you can't make a lot of stomach acid so kind of good in one way so you don't have an acid problem in your stomach the bad thing is you can't absorb b12 and that just means you're going to need to regularly have b12 either as a spray under your tongue or as an injection from your doctor mm. dr jenny madsburg and uh, her book is called save your brain which is uh, a book well, which talks about dementia, describes it, and also has an evaluation of all the strategies that you might use to modify it. And the evidence does seem to be that you that that there are lots of behaviours which which work to minimise your risk of getting it. There is no treatment, and no, there's no cure for it. Val from uh, Coromel. G'day, Val. Good evening, Good evening Phil. <laughs> uh, hi, Jenny. We've met before. Oh, hello, Val. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On an ABC program. Uh, that's where we met. Mm. Um, you talked about exercise, uh, but I think also we need to talk about mental exercise and social um, being connected to the community and not being socially isolated. You can still live with dementia for many years mm. and live a good life. If you concentrate on the things you can do, forget about the things you can't do and and remain connected in your community. Well, Val, you're a living, breathing example of that. Um, and I'm really glad that you talked about when, when we're talking about exercising your brain, that you talked about staying connected mm. and staying even in the workforce, even if it's not in the paid workforce, um, being able to interact with people and don't think you have to be a professor to have a meaningful job. Every job in which you talk to people, have interactions with people, have to get up every morning. Um, Val's been, you know, busy, 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 you know, even in a retirement village is still busy. But I'm glad, Val, that we didn't, uh, go, you know, stride off into uh, Sudoku world. Everybody says, well, I'm protecting my brain. I'm doing a Sudoku every do day. They, do they work? They do not. What and about crossword puzzles? No, no, no. So one really? thing. No, you, no use at all. <laughs> Once you know how to do a Sudoku, your brain knows how to do a Sudoku. Right. Um, but you don't. What is you want to be is doing that my, is, is that my problem? Is it like <laughs> <laughs> so? You you need to keep challenging your brain in different ways. Now there are a lot of very expensive games that you can buy that promise you all sorts of you know brain benefits, and the evidence for them is so small. It might be a very small and temporary blip in one very specific activity, but as for preventing dementia, absolutely no evidence. And of those 22 experts that I spoke to you about, the only thing they were all doing was exercise. The only thing they were all not doing was brain training exercise. Is that right? Not one of them because there is no evidence for any of it. And now, will some evidence eventually emerge? Possibly. But what Val's saying of being connected with your 
with different people. Go to the club, go for a walk, smile at people in the park. It is so good for your brain. Mm. Rod's got an interesting question. Rod on the Central Coast. Hi, Rod. Hey, good evening, Phil. Yeah, hi. Subject? Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, uh, and kind of a very close friend, mm. uh, he passed away with dementia. And I noticed it well before he, the family picked it up. I tried to say to the family, this is not, this is not my friend. This is not, there's something wrong here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Uh, we had a bit of a fallout with the family. Only shortly we sort of got back together. He he ended up in a nursing home, and he was very animated whenever I turned up. He recognised, and it was good. But um, the my question is how how do you how do you approach a family and say, look, you're with them all the time. I only see him every now and then. I've noticed it's. I've noticed something wrong. It's not. It's not forgetting keys. It's not forgetting that. It's. It's like we go down the street for a cup of coffee, and if he gets to turn left at the next street, and turns left at the street after things like that. Mm-hmm. How. How important is it that family listens to friends and neighbours that are in the place that notice the change in somebody. Fair question. Well, I mean, it's so uh, must uh, have been so tragic yeah, for you. Yeah. I'm guessing that if the family didn't notice, and I've got bunny ears up sort of in quote marks, if they didn't notice, it's possible that they didn't want to notice because mm. they just, it was so devastating for them that they just didn't want to see the bleeding obvious in front of them. And how often do you hear that kind of thing with depression, with dementia, uh, with personality changes, which is often part of dementia? Um, we see it all the time and you can lead a horse to water and you can't make them drink. And I have patients all the time who say to me, how can I get my sister to understand she shouldn't be drinking or shouldn't be smoking? And the thing is, you you can't. You know, unfortunately, everybody's got a human right to do whatever they want to do and to listen to who they want to listen to. And you can just care for your friend in the best way that you can. I'm so sorry you went through that. That's awful. Mm, yeah. Thanks, Rod. Um Okay, some other factors. Alcohol. What's the news on alcohol? Well, Should I you have, give up the grog or not? Oh, I've got good news, actually. Yeah. Well, it's good news for me anyway because I love a Shiraz. Mm. Um, it looks like about one drink a day maximum for women and about two maximum for men. So in other words, the, the general health guidelines. Yeah, it might actually at worst be neutral, but at best be maybe a little marginally beneficial for oh, brain okay. health. Okay. And it's possibly particularly the red wine with the you know the, the nutrients, the antioxidants in red wine. Resveratrol. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it, 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 when it's part of a whole food, right? But what I would say is there's this J curve. So literally you go to three drinks a day and the risk rockets up. So you've got to be very careful. A little bit does not gradually, like more is not more. More is not more. Tea and coffee? Yeah, actually, really beneficial and big numbers too. I mean, there was so coffee's a, tea and coffee good for you. Both are really good for you and bigger numbers than you think. Like you can have two or three coffees a day plus three or four teas, and that's actually yeah. beneficial for your brain. Okay, with caffeine. Don't need to cut out the caffeine. <laughs> what about uh, you've, we've talked about depression and general mental health? There's a, there's a link here, isn't there? Like, yeah. like you need to look. At, Look, you know, it goes without saying you should look after your mental health, but you especially should look after your mental health because there is a link with dementia. It's a brain-shrinking disease. Mm. And what's really interesting is 
the link between midlife depression and dementia. Now, we haven't talked about how much dementia is a women's disease, but women are twice no, as likely. Worry. We're going to get that. Oh, in good. A <laughs> women are twice as likely to get dementia as men, but also. Do we know why? Well, partly because we live longer, but partly there is this real hormonal link. Now, we know that women are also much more likely to get. Uh, depression. But I'm not sure whether we've ever talked about this before, but the biggest risk time for depression in a woman's life is midlife, is menop- 45 men- to menopause. menopause. And it's the biggest risk time for suicide. And there's rightly a big concentration in this country on the postnatal period for depression. But in fact, that is well eclipsed by what happens around menopause. And unfortunately, if that is unaddressed, and it's not well addressed in this country. We don't look after menopausal women and their depression very well. And unfortunately, it's a brain-shrinking disease and we have to take it seriously. Tell me about HRT. Now, I don't want to spend all this time talking about HRT and breast cancer because we know that those studies have been discredited. Yep, those they've stu- been completely they've been discredited. well and truly discredited. Right? Totally discredited. But it's Does but- it help prevent does HRT help prevent dementia? It looks like it, but let me caveat that. It particularly looks like it if you get onto it when you're still in what we call perimenopause. So okay. the definition of menopause is 12 months since your last period. If you've had a hysterectomy, it's a little bit more arbitrary. But it, if you get onto it while you're still having those peak chaos symptoms in your mental health, if you get into the HRT, which we know is more effective than antidepressants for midlife women, then it looks like at the same time it's probably going to save your brain. We don't have definitive uh, data for that yet. So at this point, your doctor will not put you on HRT to prevent dementia. But if we're using it anyway to help you with your symptoms, we might well throw that in for free. There's a fair body of evidence, isn't yes, there, that HRT is, is good for women. Yeah, and good for bones, good for heart, and definitely good for mental health, which is a massive, massive issue. Mm. The right type of HRT, we have to say. Kate says, is there any connection with dementia and the use of drugs like ice or cocaine, heroin, amphetamines, etc., with people who use them heavily or regularly when they were younger? You'd have to imagine so because it's really hard to get that data retrospectively. So when someone right. turns up at a hospital say, you know, hey, did you used to use heroin? Um, and ice is such a recent sort of phenomenon, it's right. very difficult to know. But, you know, it, it is a brain-shrinking, you know, chemical, most of those drugs, so you'd have to think so, yeah. Caroline says, what about learning in language, Learning a language? Is that, is that good? Is it an effective mental exercise? So it hasn't specifically been studied, but everybody kind of says that kind of thing which is difficult is good for your brain. The thing that I get concerned about is somebody downloading a Duolingo and sitting at home on their iPad on their own. I would rather you go to a language class at the local high school or do one through TAFE with a, with a friend because it's that socialising, what Val was talking about, being connected to others, that is one of the best things you can do for your brain. And anything that puts you and a screen alone in a room together is just not going to be your best friend. Mm. We know high blood pressure is, is um, uh, there's a link. Diabetes and obesity and smoking, just look, you know, these are obvious links, aren't they? Interestingly, gum disease yes, and sleep apnea are you- also associated with dementia. Absolutely. And just going to the to the dentist regularly reduces yeah. your risk of dementia. Now, we know that going to the dentist is one of the things that people with money do. If you mm. don't have money, you can't go to the dentist, particularly no. in this country. It costs too much. It mm. does. And it's mm. difficult to get into dentists. However, is it the gum disease? We think so because, you know, the bugs that sit on in tooth plaques, they've actually located them in the plaques in dementia. 
those same bugs. So we think there is a direct link. Exactly how it gets into the brain, we're not sure. But we know that going to the to the dentist regularly can help prevent dementia. And it's easy. Anybody can do that if, if you got the money. Mm. Yeah, exactly. What about COVID? Is there? Oh, this is probably too soon, isn't it? We don't know, do we? Is, I mean, if there's a long. Is I mean, is there is there a long COVID link with, or even a COVID link? Well, look, we wouldn't know, would we? Look, there were two big studies that actually just came out in the last couple of days. One okay. showed a massive uptick in anxiety and depression, and one showed no increase in anxiety and depression. Mm. So where we're at with COVID is a big question mark. But you would think there are so many people who say my brain's never been the same since. Mm. It, it, it's brain fog and then it just never quite recovers. Yeah. Uh, Anthony on the road. Hi, Anthony. Yeah, how you going? Not bad. Bill, how you going, buddy? Yeah, what? look, um, I just had a question about my mother. Um, she's 89 this year mm-hmm. and she's got heart issues, leaking heart, uh, irregular heartbeat. Uh, she's had cancer in the, in the breast and uh, that's all good now. Um, and dementia, she's like, hasn't been diagnosed with dementia, but, um, just recently, last three months, she's lost a lot of weight and she just, it's like she forgets to swallow. You know what I mean? She'll chew her food and she'll chew it and chew it. Not that she eats much. She only eats, eats like a pigeon. Like she, she might have, um, out of a whole meal, she'll have three spoonfuls. You know what I mean? And that's a mission. Anyway, she, so she spends a lot of time chewing it and she won't swallow it. So I'm wondering, is this part of the, the dementia or, you know... What, what do you think? I just thought I'd run it by you. Interesting question. Yeah. Anthony, off to the GP, if it's okay. I mean, I'm sitting here hearing weight loss, not eating. We've got to get it checked out. I'm not saying at 89 you'd be rushing him all guns blazing with chemotherapy if she had some cancer or something like that, but she could have Parkinson's disease and, and that's why she can't swallow. I think let's not just assume it's all dementia and it's just an inevitable thing. If she's uncomfortable, let's get her diagnosed and get her treated. Yeah, I, uh, I've been to the GPA and she just uh, she sort of sends me all these specialists and and the past specialist, he, he, he um, can't seem to do much. The hospital can't do much. Yeah, I've run out of options. Oh, how frustrating, Anthony. I'm really sorry. That's very, very frustrating. I hear that. Mm. Okay, mate, thank you. Um, sleep, just finally, is very important. Particularly in midlife. Yeah. And again, sorry to harp on about things, menopause. That's right. These are things you should be doing in the middle life. Yeah. Everything doing I'm doing. Doing these now. things when you're 80s. Blood not, pressure, yeah. diabetes. It's it's the interventions you do in midlife, 40s, 50s, 60s, that make mm. all the difference. And sleep is a really, really, really big one, which again is diabolical for women going through perimenopause because 80% lose their sleep. People who say, oh, I can get by on four hours sleep a day are kidding themselves, aren't they? Well, they're just going to fall asleep at the wheel. Mm. Don't drive near me, please. Mm. I mean, yeah, we're. We've talked a lot about sleep at the program. I mean, essentially, it seems that you can add up bits of sleep as long as you're getting enough. Yes, and some people get more than they think. You know, I, I know mm. so many people, oh, I didn't sleep I a wink slept last, last night. night. Yeah. And then you send them to a sleep study and then you, you give them the report and you go, well, you had sort of six and three quarter hours. Oh, I've never slept six and three quarter hours. Well, you mm. did. Mm. All right, look, time has beaten us. Um, Save Your Brain is the book. Um, uh, Dr. Ginny Mansberg has been my guest. The book's out now. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrific survey of... What's going on? In summary, you should be doing these things in your middle life. Uh, there's no magic pill, no. no magic supplement, but diet and exercise and looking after yourself is very important. Yep, and, and yeah. I think of this book as a buffet. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet, but just go and take the bits you like yeah, yeah. And, and fill your plate and do those. Interesting. Jenny, good to talk. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to a Nightlife Podcast. 
for more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife. 